All right, well, happy Sunday, Life Center. So glad you're here. Anybody else enjoy that sunshine yesterday, by the way? Yeah. Beautiful. It felt like people came out of their cave for the first time in a long time. And uh, hey, just excited that you've taken part of your Sunday to be with us. A couple of quick things to put on your radar. Hopefully you grabbed one of these Easter cards on your way in. Uh, would love to have you join with us. Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter. Little QR code on there. All the information's available as well. Maybe you want to use this to just invite a neighbor, a coworker, a friend. We're believing God for great things in this Easter season as well. If you're newer to Life Center, maybe you have a prayer request or a need, grab this Connect card right in front of you. Towards the conclusion of our gathering, you can drop that off with one of our ushers or you can swing by the Connect Center. We want to make sure that everybody feels connected and a sense of belonging here at Life Center. So we'd love for you to do that and our team will make sure to follow up with you at some point this week. Hey, today is a significant day as we bring to conclusion our series that we've been journeying through over the last number of weeks entitled, I Am. Can you say, I Am? It's a declaration that Jesus makes seven different times in John's gospel. And so today we're gonna look at one of the final I Am statements. It's the final I Am statement that Jesus makes But I want to bring you up to speed. Maybe you've missed a couple of the weeks or some of those statements that Jesus made. Again, when Jesus says, I am, his audience would have been clued in to go back to Exodus when Moses is having a conversation with God. And Moses asks this question, who do I need to say is sending me with this assignment? And God replies this way to Moses, I am that I am. God doesn't say, I was or I will be. God says, I am. And all these years later, as we're looking at the words of Jesus, Jesus is using these same two words very intentionally. Why? Because Jesus is declaring to the audience then and to us today that he himself is God. Jesus made a number of I am statements, seven. And so, so far in this journey, we've heard him say that I am the bread of life. Can you say bread? Bread. He's the bread of life. We read about that in John chapter 6. The next week, we looked at his statement in John chapter 8, where Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Can you say light? Jesus is the light of the world. In John chapter 10, we saw two of his I am statements. One, he said that he is the gate of for the sheep, but he's also our good shepherd. Are you thankful that Jesus is our good shepherd? He knows how to lead us and how to guide us. And then the very next week, we looked in John chapter 11, where Jesus declares, I am the resurrection and the life. Last week, John chapter 14, we leaned into his words where he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We talked about how Jesus' claim is is incredibly exclusive, which can be problematic because what Jesus is saying, there's only one way, and it's through him. He is that source. And today, we're going to look to John chapter 15, and and here's kind of uh, an opportunity for those of us who maybe were here in January. In January, we spent an entire month, and we shared a series that we've entitled Grow. How many of you remember that series, Grow? We looked at John chapter 15. We're going right back to that. And here's the question we get to ask ourselves. 
Have I grown? Come on, has anybody grown since January? How many of you, you haven't grown, you've just been hibernating, let's be honest. Well, today's an opportunity to see how we have grown as we consider these words of Jesus in this final I am statement. If you're taking notes today, I'd love for you to write this message title down, Learning How to Live. Learning How to Live. I want you to consider for a moment, where have you looked in your life to learn how to live? What, what, what are the things that you've looked to? All of us, there's, there's things that we picked up along the way. There's, there's things that we do today. We don't even know where we learned how to do them because maybe they just came from our family of origin. You ever been around a group of people and maybe your friend had a really unique laugh, but then you see them with their family and you're like, oh, I know where you learned how to laugh. It came from your family. There's, there's things that we pick up. Others of us, we've learned things from, from friends, from media, from culture. But here's what I want us to understand. All humans look somewhere to learn how to live and to discover what life is all about. We pick things up along the way. How many of you remember who taught you how to tie your shoes? Some of you, you don't even remember. You just, you picked it up. Now, in that, there's, there's two types of people when it comes to tying their shoes. How many of you, you still do bunny ears? Come on, let me see you. I know you're here. I know you're here. Th this is me, by the way. These are the right people. How many of you, you tie your shoes the other way? All right, okay, that's, that's a lot of us. Now, we're gonna get a little bit more personal when it comes to toilet paper. How many of you, the to toilet paper goes over the top? Come on, let me see some hands. Man, revival just broke out in this section over here. <laughs> How many of you, toilet paper always goes under? Where are you at? Yeah, these are the people who are like, yeah. Okay, let's get to the important matters of life. Coffee. Okay, coffee with cream. How many of you, you put the coffee first and then you put the cream and stir it? Let me see a show of hands. How many of you, you're just, you're a lot smarter. You put the cream in first and then you put the coffee so you don't even have to stir it. Guess what? It was a trick question. How many of you drink it God's way, just black? Come on, come on. These are the amen sayers. These are the caffeine people. You're already on cup number four this morning. I know you're here. I know you're here. We, we pick things up along the way with, with how we do it and and how we live, and why do we do what we do? There's a lot of places we look to and we, we learn from in this thing called life, even without realizing it. And yet, with that said, I can guarantee you there's one place that none of us have ever looked to to discover how life is meant to be lived. A stick. Guaranteed, you've never sat at the foot of a stick and said, oh, teach me. You've never come upon a stick and said, you know what? There's something there that I need to learn from. Why? Well, let's get practical. Uh, sticks are not exciting. Unless you're an ele elementary age boy and then it's a sword, but that's like the extent of the excitement when it comes to a stick. 
Sticks are, are sticks. Sticks have no apparent intelligence or wisdom to offer. Sticks are not alive. In fact, sticks, over time, because they're disconnected, they're going to grow brittle and they're going to grow rigid the longer that they are disconnected. Not only that, sticks eventually will either decompose or in the right environment, they will become petrified. But none of us have ever sought wisdom from a stick. Now this matters because the words that we're gonna look to from Jesus today, he's gonna lean into some wisdom about what life with him looks like. And, And here's what I want us to understand. When it comes to following our Jesus and our faith in him, None of us want to settle for a stick-like faith. A stick-like faith. You see, a stick, at one point it was connected, at one point it was receiving life, but because of disconnection, it doesn't really do a lot. In fact, it's only heading in one direction. And and the good news is today, Jesus, we're going to read some of his words where he's teaching his disciples. He's teaching us how we can avoid a stick-like faith. So how do we do that? Well, number one, I think if we're going to avoid that type of faith, we must first look to Jesus as Savior. Can you say Savior? Savior. Now, for those of us who have been following Jesus for a while, this statement feels incredibly underwhelming. But there's others in this room today, when when you hear we have to look to Jesus as Savior, your question might instantly pop up and say, Tyler, saved from what? Tyler, my life's going pretty good. Tyler, I'm I'm making enough money, I have enough food, I have enough clothing. Life is pretty good right now. What are you talking about, Savior? What do I need to be saved from? And today, what we need to recognize, we need to understand that all of us have a shared common condition as humans. What is that? Well, God has a standard that all of us have missed the mark on. God God has a standard. He has a way that life was designed to be done. But as humanity, we've fallen short. And so because of that, we can either convince ourselves, I can dig my way out of this pit, or I can trust in what God has provided. What did God provide? God provided a savior. His name is Jesus. But here's where I want us to lean in. Why? Because some of us, we we see Jesus as Savior and it stops there. Well, Tyler, isn't that all there is? There's many people who have raised their hand. They've prayed the prayer. They, They see Jesus just as a Savior for someday up there, but Jesus has no bearing on their day to day living right here. And so today, we we need to see Jesus as Savior, yes, but but can I ask you, do you see Jesus as your teacher? He's Savior, but, but are you looking to him to learn how to 
live? Are you looking to him to, to learn how to not just show up on a Sunday, but, but how do you live Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? See, we need to see Jesus as Savior, but we also need to look to Jesus as our source. Can you say source? See, we need to see Jesus as our life source. Minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day. I grew up in this church. I remember some of the songs we used to sing. And I remember this one song, and, and I sing it every now and then. I hear it sung every now and then. It simply says these words, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every what? Hour, I need thee. Listen, this is radically different than just kind of seeing Jesus as, as the right answer to somehow getting through the gates of heaven someday. Oh, it includes that. He is Savior. Don't, don't misread what I'm saying here. Jesus is our only hope of salvation. But what about two hours from now? What about next Thursday? See, we need to see Jesus as Savior, but we also must see him as source. And this matters to me. Why? Because as a pastor, I've met people who have prayed a prayer, and they look to Jesus as Savior, but they don't look to him on how they are approaching life. Jesus has something to say to us today. He has an invitation for us today. You see, for many, Jesus is simply just the magical password that they get to say to get into heaven. Hey, I prayed that prayer. I'm all good. But Jesus' words today have something else that's significant that we can't move past, that we can't miss. See, he wants to impact our, our day-to-day living. See, Jesus, the words we're about to read, he both describes and he offers a life to his disciples. Look with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 1. Jesus is teaching his disciples. They have left the upper room. We've talked about the last few weeks this idea of the upper room discourse. He's hours away from being betrayed. And they've left the upper room. He's making his way across the Kidron Valley to a garden called Gethsemane. I stood in this very garden just a number of weeks ago as I looked across the valley up towards the Temple Mount where the background would have been Jesus sharing with his disciples that the vine and the vineyard that Israel, the people of God, were called to be, they failed to be. And it's in that background that Jesus says these words, I am the true vine. Jesus is, is saying, listen, what, what God's people have failed to be, I myself am. I'm the fulfillment. I'm your provision. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit. Why? So that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain. Can you say remain? 
Now, I want you to notice something that Jesus is doing here. He's going to repeat himself multiple times. You're going to hear repetition about who he is, the vine, and this call, this invitation. It's both a command and an invitation. Command and invitation. Remain in me. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he's thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burnt. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. Now listen to this. My father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to me, my disciples. God's glorified by our lives when they are fruitful, when they produce fruit. And it's evidence that there is connection. We are his disciples. You see, Jesus' central message in these few words is about the disciples' relationship to him. What is he doing? He's, he's showing them, he's inviting them. Listen, there's a way of life that I want you to learn from me, and it's about remaining in me. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, hey, here's the deal, I got a secret password for you that's gonna be really helpful after you die. That's not Jesus' central message here. Now the good news is we know Jesus is Savior, amen? That means when we draw our last breath here, we will be face to face with him someday. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But Jesus here is talking so much more about just some way, somewhere up there someday. He's talking about life right now. And this idea of remaining in him, it's not just a passive thing. We're called to lean into him day by day. And so the question that I want us to wrestle with is, how do we avoid a stick-like faith? Because Jesus says if, if we are disconnected from him, if we are drying up and withering, what does a branch eventually become? A branch eventually becomes a stick. I don't know about you, I don't want to settle for a stick-like faith. And so how do we avoid that? We're going to look at a few ways, a few things that we need to embrace. First, we must embrace life from Jesus. Can you say from Jesus? See, if I, if I don't want to live out a stick-like faith, I have to understand, life does not reside in me, it resides in Jesus. A branch is alive because of connection. If there's no connection, guess what? A branch is just a stick. And this is one of the subtle but dangerous lies we can be tempted to believe that we just need to somehow add a little bit of Jesus to our life. Now, now let me lean in here for a second. Because some of us were tempted to believe, Tyler, 
I have my life, I showed up, I want my life to just get a little bit better. And so tell me the formula, how do I pray to just get a little bit more Jesus in my life? And what we need to understand is without Jesus, we have no life. We have no life. You see, the, the journey of following Jesus, or, or what we often call Christianity, or being a disciple, it's not just adding a little bit of Jesus to your life. It's not just a little 65-minute hit on a Sunday. It's understanding, Jesus, without you, I don't have life. And so I lay down that illusion, and I come to you, and I receive life from you. That is what it means to follow Jesus. We receive life from him. See, transformation begins to take place when you recognize that without him, you have no life. Transformation begins to happen when you wake up in the morning and you realize, Jesus, if it wasn't for you, I'm done. I have no hope without you. I have no life without you. I have no future without you. Friends, it starts with receiving life from him. He is Savior. Jesus' main message, he, he talked about it over and over and over again. At times, I'll, I'll sit with people and I'll ask them, what was, what was Jesus' main message? What was the thing that he talked about the most? There was one central message he had. It was this, and he, he described it as the gospel, the good news. He says, the kingdom of heaven is here. Now, for us, we, we don't live in a kingdom. We live in a democracy. It's, it's very different. But Jesus is announcing something important has transitioned with his arrival. The kingdom of heaven has broken in. Quite literally, he's saying, the kingdom of heaven has come to you and is available to you. And it's tied up in, in him. So what does life in his kingdom look like? Well, in order to experience life in his kingdom, we have to receive life from him. He's our savior. But notice that Jesus' words here in John 15, it's very much about our day-to-day -day reality, isn't it? He says, remain in me. He doesn't say, hey, pray this prayer once and then forget about me until you die. He says, remain in me. And I in you. Remain in me. Abide in me. You see, we see Jesus as savior, but we see him as source. That means we need to embrace life from Jesus, but we also secondly need to embrace life with Jesus. Can you say with Jesus? With Jesus. This word that he uses multiple times, this word remain, is an interesting word. For those of you who were here last week, we talked out of John chapter 14, and Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he says, in my father's house, there are many rooms. And that word rooms and this word remain, it's the exact same Greek root. It's this picture of a dwelling place with God. So when he's inviting us to remain in him, some of us, we ask this question, well, Tyler, what does it look like to remain with Jesus? I mean, are you telling me that I have to quit my job and like build a prayer closet, just sit in this dark closet, pray all day, read my Bible all day? Like that's all I do? No, no, no. It's understanding that you are taking Jesus with you everywhere you go. That means in the exciting and in the ordinary, guess what? You remain in Jesus. 
and the good and the bad, guess what? You remain in Jesus. In the frustrating and the exciting and the hopeful and helpful moments, guess what? You remain in Jesus. See, we must embrace life with Jesus, not just from Jesus. And this is a present tense, right now reality. The Holy Spirit spoke through the Apostle Paul as he was writing a letter to a group of believers in a city called Colossae. And Paul says this in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord. What does that mean? You trusted him as Savior. You received life from him. What's the very next thought? Continue to walk in him. You see, when we accept Jesus as Lord, we bring nothing to the equation. We just, we bring ourselves. And guess what's included with ourselves? A lot of mess, a lot of issues, a lot of flaws. That means all we have, our only hope is Jesus. And just as we receive him, we are called to continue to walk in him. This is describing more than just raising a hand, praying a prayer. This is talking about a daily reality that we are abiding and doing life with Jesus. So Life Center, can I ask you to consider this question today? Where do you need to invite Jesus into your day-to-day reality? Where are you tempted to, at the conclusion of a Sunday, go, all right, Jesus, see you next week, and we kind of fist bump him? Some of you who grew up watching reruns, anybody remember the original Batman TV show, right? We're a little bit like that with Jesus. Same bat time, same bat channel, see you next week. And yet, where do we need to actually invite him into our day-to-day reality? We've got to embrace life from him, Yes but we also must embrace life with him. Why? Because that then leads to the outcome that Jesus is actually looking for in his disciples. Jesus said that we're called to produce fruit because it's evidence of our discipleship, but it also brings glory to God. You see, this brings us to the third thing that we must embrace, and that is we must embrace life that reflects Jesus. See, if, if I say that I've embraced life from him, and I claim that I'm doing life with him, but there's a disconnect in what I'm reflecting. How many know I need to check the connection? I need to embrace life that reflects him. And here's what I know. Each and every one of us are capable of drift. And the danger of drift, if if you let drift go on along enough, it's gonna eventually lead to disconnection. And that's why some of us today, when when I pulled out the stick and some of us, we were scratching our heads going, Tyler, where where are you going? Because this doesn't make sense. Some of us today, if if we were to be honest with ourselves, we feel like we have a stick-like faith. Does that mean that God left you somewhere along the line? Does that mean that God's angry with you? Maybe maybe you feel dry today. Maybe maybe you feel disconnected. I want to remind you, drift is a subtle thing. Not too long ago, it was a summer season, and our family, we were out 
at a lake and we were all floating on these tubes and air mattresses. And I wasn't really paying attention. In fact, at one moment I dozed off, which is dangerous because of the pigment in my body or the lack thereof. And I end up looking like a lobster really quick. I kind of dozed off and it was so comfortable and I didn't notice the breeze. I woke up a few minutes later and I look over and my family's nowhere around me and all of a sudden I have like drifted way far away. I didn't even notice. It just kind of happened. We are all capable of that. We're capable of of this subtle drift and if we're not careful, that drift becomes a disconnection. See, today we want to embrace life from Jesus, absolutely. We want to say yes to life with Jesus. But understand, if we have those things, it should be a life that reveals Jesus. It reveals him. See, ultimately, this is the fruit that God desires. This is where that fruit comes from. And and let me be really clear at this moment, especially for those of us who maybe we've been in church for a while. Maybe we've served Jesus for a long time. Can I tell you, when we begin to bear fruit, there is zero room, zero room for arrogance or spiritual pride. Why? All fruit is, is evidence that you are connected to something bigger and better than you. Fruit is not of our own claiming. It's not like, man, look at what I've produced. Stop it. You haven't produced anything. Tyler, that hurts my feelings. I love you. I do. But fruit is not evidence that we are amazing. Fruit is evidence that we're connected to an amazing God. All fruit is, is the sign that God is working in us and working through us. Don't miss that. We are not the source. Understand this. Jesus wants to save you. Jesus wants to rescue you. You see, today I have good news. We can be forgiven. Why? Because Jesus has accomplished for us what we could never accomplish for ourselves in his life his death, and his resurrection. He is Savior. There's no other name under heaven by which we are saved. You cannot work yourself to salvation. So stop wearing yourself out. Come to him. Rest in him. Receive salvation from him. But don't stop with just saying a prayer and saying, okay, someday, Jesus, I'll see you in heaven. Because according to John 15, he wants to be the source of your salvation, but he also wants to be your teacher in the day-to-day life. He wants you to remain in him. Jesus wants to be your source right now, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. So, Can I ask, will you let him teach you? Today, can we do this across this room for those who are worshiping with us online? Can I invite you to simply close your eyes for a moment? 
Would you just stretch out your hands? Maybe that's a little bit uncomfortable, but I'm gonna invite you to do it anyways. And I've asked Pastor Anson to lead us in that old song. And I want you to make this your prayer. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. God, not not just right now during this gathering. God, I'm gonna need you Tuesday morning. I'm gonna need you Thursday afternoon when I have that review with my boss. God, I need thee. I need you. Come on, would you lead us in that? Let's sing this together. I need thee, oh, I need thee. to give you life today, right now, moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day, second by second. And so Holy Spirit, would you speak to us today? God, reveal the areas, the the places and the spaces that we need to welcome you into in our day-to-day living. Lord, we want life from you. And Jesus, you're the only source. You're our source of salvation. But Lord, we want life with you today, tomorrow, the next day. And God, ultimately, it's your desire that we would live lives and embrace a life that would reveal you. And so God, I pray that we would produce fruit that would bring glory to you and bring evidence of our discipleship, our our journeying with you. God, forgive us for our spiritual pride. For those of us who think at times that our fruit is somehow evidence of, of our maturity when all it is is evidence of your grace working in us and through us. God, would you forgive us 
Lord, may we live lives that are wholly dependent upon you. Every moment, every day, every hour. Maybe there's some here today that you have yet to make that decision to see Jesus as Savior. Maybe today that's your next step. Maybe in this place you recognize, I need to trust Jesus. I want to know that that my sin is paid. Tyler, you talked about falling short of God's standards. Man, that's me. And, And I want to put my trust in the only solution. I want to put my trust in Jesus today. If that's you across this room with with heads bowed, if that's you, would you just simply raise a hand, just hold it up for a moment, wave it at me and say, Tyler, that's me, that's me. I want to know that I'm forgiven. I want to know that I have a fresh start with God. Yeah. Come on, can we pray this prayer together today, Life Center? Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. I put my trust in you. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a new creation. Help me to follow you every day of my life. It's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Can I invite you to stand to your feet all across this room? I'm going to have Pastor Anson lead us in this song one more time again with hands raised. Can you make this your declaration today? Can you sing these words? I need Let's never settle for a stick-like faith. Uh, Maybe pray to prayer or maybe we plug in for a few moments on a Sunday. And then the moment we leave the doors, we leave that connection behind. We say it often. We don't dismiss church here. Why? Because even after the gathering's over, the church is still existing. We don't just go to church. we, We are the church. We are the church. And so today, understand that that we're being sent on assignment. What is that? To receive life from Jesus, yes, but to live your life with Jesus. Because ultimately, that's the only way that we can reflect a life from him. Today, maybe you feel a little disconnected, a little dry. I'm going to invite our pastors and prayer team to join me up front and As we launch out of this place, maybe there's something that you just feel like, man, I I sense God's wanting to do a deeper work more than just rushing out to the next thing. Can I encourage you to step out, find somebody to pray with you? Let's lead into what Jesus has for us every moment, every day, because he is good, amen? Listen, have a wonderful week. God bless you. We'll see you soon. Take care.